Well, a very good morning to everybody. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. I didn't have a Christmas service a week ago and uh, hopefully most of us enjoyed a great time with our families and friends and made merry. And uh, Paul wanted to take a few weeks and it's nice that he's able to do that and so offered to uh, do one of the sermons he's away and uh, I think Chris are you doing next week is that what you're doing yeah so we look forward to hearing from from Chris so um, interestingly enough this is maybe more of a Christmas time or Christmas season type of a message than it is this you know sort of you know rallying us all for the new year that's to come Uh, but hopefully there'll be some some good things for us to think about and reflect on as we go into the new year but um uh, one of the things that's interesting is that um, I had this sermon prepared. I don't. My recollection is is that I prepared this sermon as a Christmas time sermon, and I've never given it. <laughs> and so it's been kind of sitting. And uh, when I prepared this, and then re got this out, and you know, sort of re prepared for today, uh, the theme that always seems to run through my mind at Christmas time, this time of year, is this idea that God gets personal with his creation, with us, in the fact that we have this this incarnated part of God, Jesus, who comes to earth and sets and starts off this whole you know, relationship and, and, and this whole plan of salvation, and it's just this incredible thing. But it's very personal. On God's part, it's an incredibly personable thing, it, you know, God in heaven to come down and take on the form of a human and actually not take on the form of a human as an adult, but as a, a baby who is born to a woman who, you know, is an infant, is a child, grows up, adolescent, becomes an adult, and experiences and goes through that whole human experience, growing up and all that comes with that. And God does all of this for you and me. It's an incredible personal reaching out on his behalf. And so we're going to talk a little bit of that, about that today. God gets personal, and, and this idea that we need to get personal with God. He's, he's kind of initiated and made this initial step, which is, he's gone to great lengths. There's a lot of action around what he's done. Yes, God loves us, we know that. That love is turned into a fairly significant action, and it's a very personal action. Because we have a very personal God who wants a personal relationship with you and I. And that's amazing. Uh, I really appreciated the video, and thank you. Great reading, Luke. That was like just to sit there and watch and take in all the meaning of those words. This is the God of the universe. Like... And this God of the universe (laughs) wants to get personal with you. And that's amazing. Like, there's something that is so different in our Christian faith from any other religion or any other pursuit of God that man comes up with. We have a personal God that wants to be in a personal relationship with us. 
personal is the word for this morning's sermon, if you haven't figured that out yet. So we're going to get personal. But don't panic. I'm not going to share my deepest, darkest secrets, and I'm not going to ask that of you. But we're going to talk a little bit about how important it is for us to get beyond just understanding that there's a God or knowing that there's a God or participating in, you know, these things that we do like church and small group. This, this is a, there is a personal relationship that we need to be involved in. And uh, this idea of personal is, is, uh, is what we're talking about. So, you know, sometimes we use this term personal. We, maybe you've thought or said at some point in some conversation with someone, it's like, wow, they're getting really personal and when we think or say that, we, we start to normally uh, attach that to the fact that they're sharing some stuff that's very deep about themselves, um, maybe private about themselves, maybe that normally they wouldn't share in public or public wouldn't know. And so maybe you've been in that conversation or maybe you've been in a conversation where someone, you know, you're thinking, it's like, whoa, why'd you have to make it personal? You know, because they've said something or maybe it's been accusatory, or they've said something about your character, or something that, you know, it's like, whoa, you're, uh, we're not just talking about the weather here anymore. Um, you're, you're getting into some stuff that maybe I don't want to talk about with you, or I don't want to talk about with anybody, maybe. And it's this deeper kind of getting into the essence of who we are and what we are, that personal side. And sometimes we may think that, that, you know, that person's getting way too personal in what they're sharing. We become uncomfortable, this kind of thing. Um, or, or maybe uh, you've been in a conversation and someone said something about, you know, an action that you've done or your character or whatever. And then they say, oh, but don't take it personal. It's like, well, how am I supposed to take that? Like you're talking about sort of what's going on in my you know, who I am and the essence of who I am and how I think are these kind of things. And it's this idea when I say the word personal that we're going to talk a little bit about today in terms of our relationship with God. So really, uh, a definition is, uh, if I could use, is characterized by a close and thorough knowledge of and life interaction with another person. All of us have deep personal relationships with hopefully at least one other person or more. But most of us don't have a lot of deep personal relationships because that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of sharing. That's a lot of letting people into my life to know everything there is to know about me. And that's personal. And that's, okay, I'm not doing that with everybody. It requires trust. It requires time um, in those relationships. And again, it's this kind of relationship that God wants with us. And again, he sort of initiated this. He said, here I am. I've done these things that are very personal, and I want to be in a relationship with you. So a high-level look at just God and sort of his relationship with mankind. Um, Really, this relationship with mankind that God started back at creation was very personable. Uh, God and Adam and Eve, as we understand from Scripture, were very connected, uh, very relationally involved with one another uh, One another in the garden. The, the, the Scripture seems to indicate that they communed together, they, they talked together, they, there was this really wonderful relationship with 
God with his creation. And, of course, we know that sin interrupts that um, and cuts us off from that personal relationship. Really, that's, that's what happened. It went from God and mankind being really close and in, in connection and relationship with each other, and then sin just separated that, took that away from us. And then we start to see in the Old Testament, we start to follow history, and we start to see Scripture and how God relates with, with mankind. And we, we read the, the stories and, and the history of how God would interact, and we would see and catch glimpses of personal relationships that God would have with a few. You know, there'd be a few, and, and we'd see that. But for the most part, through that history, prior to Jesus coming, a lot of our mankind's relating to God was through religious practice, was through religious people. And in, in many ways, we still see a number of religions that, that is the, that's still the, the way that man is able to connect to God. There's this, this stuff in between us, uh, whether it's people, priests, or that kind of thing, or religious things that we do, and, and it's just not this close personal relationship. We know God, we know he exists, but it's almost in the same way that you know someone that lives in the same town, you know their name, you know where they work, you know maybe a few things about them, but you don't have a personal relationship with them. And, and, and so these, these things are kind of in between there. And so we get to a point in history, Christmas time, where God says, I want, I want what I had with my creation back in the garden. I want that. I want that deep personal relationship. And Jesus comes onto the scene. And again, that's why this time of year, as I think about it, it's like, man, this, this is a major extension of love and grace and desire on God's part through the coming of Jesus and the birth of his son. And so that's an incredible thing. And that really, to me, is the essence of Christmas. God wants to get personal with me. And so I think a lot about that over the Christmas time. And so that's, that's what we're going to look at a little bit today. Now, interestingly enough, this sermon is based on the book of Philippians, which if you've been involved with Lakeside here over the last while, well, we've just preached all the way through it. I'm not going to reread the whole thing. We're going to look at a couple things. You'll be familiar with the passages. But uh, it's interesting that uh, it's the same, same book that we've been working through. So God gets personal with us, and if I could do my sermon in a sentence, we need to become personal with God through humility, through a surrendered heart, and action. And these things are outlined, I think, in this book. And we're going to look at three passages in particular. Again, you'll be familiar with these. And this, this is going to be long but uh, hopefully a good reminder and challenge to all of us as we get to communion later in the service. So Philippians 2, if uh, you want to look there, or you can just uh, listen, but in Philippians 2, um, 5 and 8, God gets personal with us. Um, and this is, this is the sort of the overview of what Jesus did. And Paul writes this, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And this is, this is the personal, this is the, what, this is the action. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So there's a few things we can pick up from from this passage. First of all, we understand that this is God, Jesus, who being in very nature God, the God of the universe, the same one that we were just astounded with when we watched the video there and heard the words, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and took on human form. So a huge part in our quest to be personal with God starts with understanding that being personal with anybody, including God, requires humility. It requires us to at some point recognize that I'm going I'm to I'm give of myself, I'm going to take the guards down, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be you know, transparent, whatever that is, I'm going to humble myself. And it's kind of placing ourselves at the feet of that other person, and we're kind of like trusting them with the information or who I am or the essence of my life, what I, what I am, and so on. And Jesus does this, which is incredible because he's God and he does that for us, his creation. That's incredible. Humbles himself. And then there's this surrendered heart. Jesus humbles himself, becomes, becomes a human, but then carries on with a surrendered heart as he lives among us and grows up as a human and grows up as a person in, in society and surrenders his heart to the community, to his family, to his parents. Again, this is God, right, to the, the rulers of the day and obviously to God the Father to the point of being willing to die. And, and this is the action part in getting personal, is that there's an action that comes as a result of this. We humble ourselves, our heart is surrendered towards that other person, and then we act in their benefit or to their will. And this is how personal relationships start to build. And you can think about that. It's like, okay, how, you know, hopefully this is how our marriages work, right? We humble ourselves. I give myself to someone else. I, I, I surrender to them. We, we, we work together, okay, mutual submission and so on and so forth. I do things in my life and make decisions that benefit them, right? This, this is, and we have this deep personal relationship as I go through those, those steps. And so we see, we see Jesus who does this for us, and that's incredible, he gets personal with us. And again, the fact that he's God just adds uh, even more significance to that. So Jesus, we know, comes, humbles himself, sum- submits himself to the Father, his creation, and carries out the greatest act, there's the action word there, act of love the world has ever seen. And we celebrate birth in a number of months, we'll be celebrating that incredible act of love as we come to Easter time. And it's kind of that whole piece of God's getting personal with us all together. 
So God gets personal with us. The second thing I just want to remind you, we need to get personal with God. We, we, we need to get beyond, you know, just kind of knowing something about God or, yeah, I believe in God, but I don't really do anything about it. Or, or your belief in God is solely based on corporate involvement. So I go to church, but it's not really personal for me. I do the things. I might sing the songs. I might go to various things and such that are spiritual or faith-related. But, you know, do you really know God personally? But we need to do that. And in Philippians 2, um, 12 to 13, again, we're familiar with this passage. Paul says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence... But now, much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. And so, again, we see the writer Paul here reminding us that we need to do, like, God has done this in the work of the Lord Jesus, now we need to respond to that, right? And if you can imagine someone who kind of starts to build a relationship with you, and they start to, you know, maybe in your first meetings, it's a, you know, what do you do, and what are the things you enjoy, and what are your hobbies, and so on. And after some time, we're going to start to talk about what are the, you know, what are the things that really are you are all about you know maybe we start to talk about our upbringing and how that has has you know the story of my life and how that shaped me my beliefs my values things that are important to me maybe i'm sharing some things that i struggle with and those things eventually start to come as we get more personal with one another and so there's things that we need to do we don't need to just know about god and understand and believe we need to do some things about that and we need to work out our salvation. And we need to humble ourselves. We need to have a surrendered heart. If we, if we uh, define the heart as sort of the will center of our life, so we surrender, surrender our will. And then there is some action towards God that is in benefit of God or in benefit of others on God's behalf. And so God initiates, we believe, and we start to develop a personal relationship. And the exciting thing about this, folks, is that we get to have this close relationship with God. We no longer require people on our behalf to connect us to God. We don't have to do all kinds of religious ceremony or certain things in order to... All of that has been removed, and we can now have a personal, close relationship one-on-one with God. And that's amazing. Like, that's amazing. Again, holy God. Some things had to happen. We never can take for granted what had to happen in order for God to be able to commune with us. Because we had this sin issue that God had to deal with, and we understand that through the Lord Jesus. So it's amazing. And then as we get to know God more personally, we continue to act to his benefit. And number three is then how do we get personal? Well, we've been talking lots about that. Uh, And if we look at Philippians 3, 5 to 14, 
few more pages over or another page over, we see the example of Paul. And so we'll just look at that. In verses, uh, well, 3b, I guess, is where we're, sorry, 4b is where we're starting here. If anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, in other words, not be humble, um, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, and of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard for the law of Pharisee, and as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness for my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And then he goes on in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering and his, fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him even unto his death. So again, we even see the example of Paul here where he talks about the fact that I had all this. I was like the guy, right? If there was a guy, he was the guy. He was all the best schools, right? Had the great job. He was the leader, uh, you know, persecuting the church, like in terms of Jewish law and righteousness and all that. He was the guy you wanted for Jewish law trivial pursuit on your team. He was the guy. He knew it all. And he did it all to the point that he was sacrificing or killing people that he thought, at the time, he thought were against the Jewish faith. And then God comes along, and we know it was a fairly significant interaction, but very personal between him and God when he was blinded and such, and his whole life has changed. And he starts to realize that, okay, completely different. What I was, who I am, what I I did, or what I've attained, means nothing compared to who God is in a relationship with God. And so he humbles himself. And I can only imagine in those early days how many people... When hearing about what happened to Paul, Saul, Paul, um, and who used to follow him and chant for him and, you know, all this stuff, all of a sudden he's completely turned 180. He must have lost a lot of points and he must have lost a lot of friends, a lot of credibility. And that was an incredibly humbling thing for him to do. And he did it. Gave all that up. And then he surrendered his heart. He went from, I would expect, a life of privilege, a life of wealth, a life of being very famous and well-known and revered, to a life of, I mean, he, <laughs> he had nothing. He gave up all of that. He was an itinerant preacher and traveled around, and he found himself in jail for a number of time in his life and just surrendered his heart and lived. And then the action that we see from Paul, which we, even sitting in this room today, benefit from because of so many things he wrote that we have in the scripture, is incredible. And his personal relationship with God was significant and grew all the more as he humbled himself, had a surrendered heart towards God, and then took action and did things for God that were to God's benefit. And so that's really the very simple um, um, things that we need to think about this morning. Have we humbled ourselves 
And I would imagine most of us here at some point, we've humbled ourselves, we've given our lives over to God, we've said, okay, I, I'm, I'm done with trying to figure this out on my own or do it on my own, I'm going to let God. And we've humbled ourselves. And then we enter into a life of surrendered, a surrendered heart, where our will is continually surrendered to the will of God. And that's a daily process for all of us, for me and you and it's today and all next year and the years to come. And then there's the action that in response to this relationship, we act in such a way that's to the benefit of God. That's, that's what we want to see our lives represented as, as we see Paul's example and we see Jesus' example. And this is very same way we should live in our personal relationships with one another as humans, right? We should be humble before each other and surrendering our hearts to the, that person and acting in their benefit as we, as we do. And as we do that, we grow and become in a personal, deep relationship with each other. So, do we, have we humbled ourselves? Have we surrendered our, our heart and are we continuing to do that? And are we acting in benefit of God and in many ways, acting in, in the benefit of God is to serve his people and to redeem mankind back to himself. And, and, and God's called us all to some general things that we need to be doing, to be redeeming mankind, to be living our lives in front of people in such a way that we have opportunity to share the love of Christ and the good news. Some of us have some more specific callings on our life, and we need to be obedient to those things as well. But hopefully we're, we're doing that. And uh, hopefully we're getting to know in, in this process of, of humility and surrendering our heart, we are doing that through prayer and reading God's word and confession and worship. And uh, hopefully by being part of corporate things like church, we help with those things and we can do that together in many ways. And then hopefully we're all seeking God's will as we carry out our lives. Now, interestingly enough, uh, as we develop and as this personal relationship with God starts to grow and become significant, uh, I think it's interesting if we go back to the beginning of Philippians, just as one last section here from Philippians chapter 1, Paul starts off with kind of his purpose in, in writing this whole passage. And... Um, in verse 9 of chapter 1, he says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, and that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so in many ways, right at the beginning of this passage of Philippians, we kind of see the result that as we develop this personal relationship with God as we, rece- we respond to God's initiation, his personal reaching out. He got real personal with us. Dying or, well, being willing to die for someone is pretty personal. Personal, right? Like, how many people in your life are willing to die for you? That's, that's pretty personal. Actually doing it, that's really a personal action. And so, you know, Jesus does that. And in, res- in result of us responding to that, our love will abound. We will have discernment. We will be filled with fruits of righteousness. 
And so th- those are wonderful things that, that are benefits as we in, make our way into and continue in this personal relationship. And so just as we, we're, we're going to be taking communion in a minute here, and so some of the things just to be reflecting on and thinking about as it relates to this is sort of a check, like wh- where are you in your personal relationship with God? You know, is it deep and meaningful and, and moving forward in humility with a surrendered heart with lots of action to God's benefit represented in our lives? And those are some things to be thinking about. Perhaps if you're here and you don't think you have a personal relationship with God, this might be something that you want to think about and process, but you're going to have to think about humility, a surrendered heart, and being willing to live in a way that benefits God. And so those are some things to be thinking about. The, the results are incredible. What's in, you know, salvation is incredible. What we receive is incredible. But that relationship, just like any other relationship that's functional and works well on earth, requires humility and a surrendered heart and action towards that person. That's what we are getting into when we accept this relationship with God, when we accept Christ. That's what we're doing. And so you can be thinking about that as you think about your personal relationship or whether you want a personal relationship with God. He desperately wants one with you and has gone to great lengths to make that happen. For those of us who have been in a relationship with God for a while or a time, perhaps this is a good time to reflect on where we're at with that. Where's, where's our humility at? Have the sin of pride or you know, the desire of self crept into our, our life and into our, our days and our personal relationship with God that requires humility and surrendering of heart? Uh, are not maybe what they once were. And perhaps those things have moved us away from a deeper personal relationship with God and the resulting action that we need to be taking that benefits God. So those are a few things to be thinking about and reflecting on this morning. And certainly as we take communion, um, there's a lot to be thankful for and grateful for in terms of what God has done for us because he got real personal with us. And the question is, are we going to get personal with him? Let's pray. Father, we uh, just, yeah, are grateful, we're amazed, we're uh, humbled, we're overjoyed. There's so many words, just this whole idea that you, the creator of the universe, want to be in a relationship with us that's, that's personal, that's deep, that's one-on-one. Um, that's amazing. And Father, I, just, I don't want to take that for granted. And so, Father, thank you for... Your word this morning, thank you for Paul's letter to the Philippians that remind us, reminds us anew that this is, this is something real and deep. And uh, yeah, we're, we need to get into this in a significant way. And so, Father, I pray that my heart would be humbled. Father, that my uh, life would be surrendered. And Father, that my actions um, would be to the benefit of you. And, Father, others that um, are around me. And so, Father, I commit that to you. Pray that for each one here that we would reflect on that. And, Father, we commit that to you this morning. And so we thank you. We're grateful. And may we respond in likeness. May we respond appropriately as you've called us to and as we should. And so we commit that to you. 
and just look forward to a time of communion and reflection now. In Jesus' name, amen.